Tank Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we will, of course, focus on Apple's less than stellar performance financially, or maybe not. We'll have John Martellero of the Mac Observer, and then Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show and the loop at loopinsight.com. All this and much, much more on the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> With John Martellero of the Mac Observer, we're going to be front and center about Apple and about the perceptions that Apple is in trouble, and none of it makes sense to me. Consider this, for example. Apple had record sales. Profits were about the same as last year. During this period, they couldn't build enough iPad minis. They were constrained for the entire quarter. They're still constrained. The iMac is way back ordered. you got to wait, what, three, four weeks for one of those. They just barely met demand on the iPhone 5 late in the quarter. The iPhone 4, people are still interested in that. They were constrained. So we have a company here that sells everything they could build, has record revenue. We have a situation here where if Apple could have built more product to sell, they would have sold several billion more. They would have made higher profits. But Wall Street is dinging them because they're successful. Something's wrong. Where's the disconnect here? makes me wonder why analysts feel like because Apple's selling everything that they can make, that there's something wrong with Apple because they can't keep up with demand. Maybe there's a feeling that if Apple could keep up with demand, they could more successfully compete against the competitors, Android, things like that. But that seems to me to be a very fine hair to split Apple's doing very, very well. They're, they're, they're selling everything that they make. Analysts seem to be kind of crazy. And, you know, that's all in the context of some ennui and some negative reporting lately. Forbes called for Tim Cook to resign. There's been a lot of negative reporting about You know, Apple. Forbes magazine, the person who wrote that article for Forbes magazine, calling on Tim Cook to resign. Look at the reasons. My conclusion is the guy at Forbes magazine is an idiot. Okay, he is an, an idiot. idiot. He has no idea what he's doing. He has reason- no idea he's talking about. He's saying, for example, well, Apple is not doing the right thing. They should have a brand new product revolution every single year. And I think wow. to myself, wait a minute, folks. You really think that? Okay, so between 2001 when the iPod came out and 2007 when the iPhone came out and 2010 When the iPad came out, and Tim Cook was not CEO then, it was Steve Jobs, by the way, well, that was wrong. They didn't do well. It's going to take Tim Cook a few years to uh, come out with an earth-shaking product. You can't expect 18 months after he takes over the reins that all of a sudden Apple's going to come out with an earth-shattering product. He's taking his time with the Apple TV. This fellow at Forbes, I want to say one thing about him. I don't normally knock other people and other journalists, but there is a certain kind of person who has the technical and managerial background to be a CEO of a corporation. And then there are junior people who are very good at, say, design and engineering. Jonathan Ive, you got to love him. He's a great guy. He's articulate. He's intelligent. He's a wonderful designer, but he's not 
in the CEO track in terms of management expertise. And he's never going to be a candidate for the CEO of Apple. And anybody who suggests that he would be automatically disqualifies himself as an expert observer. So what he'd want to be, I mean, the guy is a designer. When you're CEO, you can't just do what you're an expert at. You've got to be aware and be cognizant of everybody's problems. So he's the product designer heading up human interface. Why would he even want to give all that up? It's not about money. He's a multimillionaire. Well, for some observers, all of these gentlemen look alike. You know, they act alike, they dress alike, they work for Apple. And so they're being not an expert observer and not having any technical or management experience. They can't tell the difference. Okay, so let's look here at what started all this. So in December, we hear a report from somewhere in Asia that Apple has cut back on the number of displays they're ordering for the iPhone 5. Conclusion, demand must be down. And then the Wall Street Journal, and they should know better, the Wall Street Journal, you think it's the number one business publication in the U.S. Oh, it's owned by Rupert Murdoch, same people who own Fox. Well, okay, so maybe we're off on that one. In any case, they're coming up with the same story a month later. The stock takes a beating, and during the quarterly conference call with financial analysts, Tim Cook sets them straight about reporting on supply line issues. The professor, Tim Cook, explained it was a sort of leadership and production management 101 for those people who were uh, unable to think about the complexities of manufacturing and production and he just sat there and very quietly said look you should question the accuracy of these individual rumors even if that one point about that one cutback were factual it wouldn't tell the whole story and they went on to say about how the Apple supply chain is very complex. It is for any company. There's multiple sources for products. Yields vary. Supplier performance varies. Inventory conditions can vary. So you can imagine you've got an expert production manager, inventory manager sitting there saying, well, okay, we've got a surplus here. This product profile stretches out to there. We're switching vendors in the process. And so here's what we need to meet our demand. And then somebody picks up on one of those points. Tim Cook explains there's a, there's a long list of things that would make us a single point, not a proxy for what's going on. Class dismissed. And you have to look, okay, maybe they had problems with the yields of the flat panel displays. They had to build, say, 1,000 to get 600, say. I'm just guessing, just throwing out a number. So now the yields are better. You're getting 80 out of 100. That's okay. another good point. Understand, these are just guesses. I don't know get 80 out of 100. So, okay, we don't need as many flat panel displays. We don't need to spend as much money because we're getting more bang for the buck. And then in the March quarter, they're going to sell less. They're going to sell, what, 50% less product than in the December quarter. So knowing you're going to sell 50% less product or 65% of the product you sold in December, whatever the number is, you order fewer parts. Or maybe because they had higher yields, they've got warehouses full of parts that haven't been put into new products or, yet. or maybe one supplier is ramping up and has solved some production problems and is able to meet the uh, preordained uh, contract amount while another supplier who was brought in perhaps as a short term to to short up uh, you have the liberties and no contractual obligations to them you cut back on them because another supplier has ramped up successfully it can be very complex there's no one answer, and people who take these simple-minded answers, they're not helping anybody. And you've got to think the poor people who had their stock killed, the value of their Apple stock killed because of morons 
who are making statements out of turn, things they don't know anything about. And you have to think, where's the penalty? Where's the accountability? Uh, there's the problem is, is that there is more value in writing something that gets hits than there is value in educating and being informed for the readers. And in a case like this, you have dumb articles like Forbes saying, well, here's why Tim Cook should be fired at Apple. And this guy has no clue. I don't know his name. The guy is totally clueless. I've been doing this for seven years at the Mac Observer, and we try to be intelligent and adult and try to inform our readers. But we still have to be very careful with our headlines. There is a certain art and science in generating headlines because, you know, if you look at Mac Surfer, there's a long, long list of articles. And if you don't stand out there, if you don't even promise to raise somebody's blood pressure 10 points, you may not get as many hits as you'd like. So there's a lot of that out there. There's a lot of stupid writing. There's a lot of uninformed technical writers who are new to the field who don't even have a journalism or a you know an industry technical background. The only thing they know is what they read. They digest it based on a poor foundation and then throw something out that they think is going to get some ratings. It's very, very bad situation. And look, you know, Apple's on a roll, and if you have evidence, even if it's fake evidence or it's misunderstood evidence that Apple is suffering, you get hits. We have John Martellaro, always a hit, at the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. You know, for many of us, so much of our jobs are tied to our office computers. We have networks, special programs, important files. You feel chained to your office just to be productive. Well, here's some good news. There is a better way. It's one I've used myself. It's called Go to My PC. It's a secure remote access tool from Citrix that turns any computer, tablet, or smartphone into your office computer. How about that? With Go to My PC, you can access your entire network, use any program, save, edit, send any file from anywhere. Don't even need to worry about those flash drives. My listeners, by the way, can try Go to My PC free for just 30 days. Visit GoToMyPC.com. Visit GoToMyPC.com. Click the Try It Free button. Enter the promo code podcast. Then download the free app to your mobile device. That's GoToMyPC.com. The promo code is podcast. Dwayne Daly from Midas Resources, January 25th, 2013. Gold opened up this morning at 1668.75. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1710.29, a half ounce for 855.14, or a quarter ounce for 427.57. That's 1710.29, 855.14, or 427.57. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why bank stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237. If you're considering a water filter, have you heard about Aquapail? 
Aquapel from FreezeDryGuy.com has huge advantages over many other water filters. American-made Aquapel units are designed and engineered to not just filter contaminated water, but capture or kill all bacteria and viruses to non-detectable levels. Aquapel has the fastest flow rate of any other water filter on the market, filtering a gallon of contaminated water in about five minutes. That's water when you need it. Now, get the world's fastest, safest, and most reliable gravity-fed portable water treatment system for surface water well and wastewater sources. Aquapel. Available in four sizes starting at only $100. In all orders to the lower 48 ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. George Washington said, Government is not reason, it is not eloquence, it is force, like fire. It is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. America's government is no longer the servant of the people and the protector of our liberty, but has become that fearful master. We the people must understand the nature of this government gone awry if we are to be successful in saving our country. America is being deliberately destroyed by a cabal of international gangsters so that she can be forced into subjugation to a one-world government. The God-given, unalienable rights of the Declaration of Independence are in jeopardy. We must not let them be stolen by ambitious and evil men. Utopia Silver Supplements believes it is our God-given right to make our own health care decisions however we deem best. If we can help you with your supplement needs and better health, then help us win this health freedom battle. Visit us today at utopiasilver.com. That's U-T-O-P-I-A silver.com. Or call 888-213-4338. Again, 888-213-4338. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. With John Martellaro of the Mac Observer, we're trying to provide a reality check to what's been happening to Apple. So their stock price is being pummeled. I mean, as we do this episode, it lost like 50 points. And you have to think, what's going on here? The company has record sales. And as we pointed out, if they could build more product, they would have had higher record sales. So what's going on here? What does the tech media have against Apple? What did Apple do to them except not clue them in on exclusive reports? Well, there's two. Okay, so there's two, there's two ideas that are frontmost in my mind. First of all, Steve Jobs is not here to set us straight, to tell journalists what to think, to be a little snarky, to be a little arrogant, and to express the idea that uh, Apple's making the very best products, and that is what's important, not necessarily market share. Tim Cook, on the other hand, is more like a professor. He's a little relaxed. He's academic. He has to explain what's going on at the earnings reports that not everybody listens to. And he's not out there in front being a energetic, perhaps a little edgy spokesman for what Apple's trying to achieve. And as a result, journalists are, are not getting any guidance or any inspiration. And, and then the next fact is that in 2010, Apple was 
trouncing everybody else with their smartphone, the iPhone, and with the uh, iPad, which caught everybody off guard. I've got sitting here on my desk a Kindle Fire HD, a Google Nexus 10, and a Barnes & Noble Nook HD. And these are all fine tablets. They're running the latest, almost latest version of Android, Jelly Bean, or in the case of um, the Nook HD1 version behind. And they're black, and they're slates, and they're cool, and you fire them up, and Android Jelly Bean is pretty cool. And so what's happening is, is that Apple isn't perceived to be trouncing the opposition in market share. And, and yesterday there was an analyst who asked Tim Cook about what he's going to do about market share. And Tim says, we don't care about market share. All we care about is building the very best products. And you could sense that there was kind of this tension there and then the analyst side. And the feeling was is that Apple's not beating up on the competition anymore. They're not the only company with the great tablet. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. Apple's selling tablets right and left. And they're selling them to government and business, and there's very large sales being made. But in terms of the prospects of Apple to continue beating up on the competition and having the game to themselves, I think people were perceiving that that's not in the wings anymore. And that's kind of you know, casting a pallor on the competition. When Apple was the top guy, and there was no question that everything they had was better than anything else, their stock was soaring. And so now Apple's just over in cruise mode doing very, very well with a low-key spokesman. And all of a sudden, the writers are just kind of getting agitated and ADD and uh, can't figure out what's going on, don't know Apple's fundamentals, and don't see how well Apple's really doing. And investors are getting a little bit nervous, and uh, it's something that will straighten itself out in a while. I'm sure. But right now, it's just kind of a winter downer. And these writers who don't know Apple very well are not doing anything to help out. Um, maybe they think that there's money to be made by grabbing people's attention. You know, people love Apple. So, I mean, it's like if your wife you know, get, or your child gets a cold, you're worried, right? I mean, we all love Apple. And so if Apple sneezes, we're afraid we'll get a cold. And so we're eager to find out. What's going on with Apple? And writers know that it's more attractive to write negative things about the company we love than to provide insights. The big problem here is they can't think in terms of, gee, is demand down for the iPhone? They can't look behind the headlines. They can't look at the second sentence, which says, gee, they're talking all about here the fact that they couldn't build enough product. Doesn't that explain anything to you? Yeah, it tells me that they don't go to the mall or the local Apple retail store and stand outside and watch for an hour and watch how the, the store is jammed. And it's shoulder to shoulder. People are buying products. They're coming out of the store with phones and tablets and, and MacBook Airs. The customers are not, many customers are not voracious Internet readers. They have a, a job to do. They have kids to take care of. They come home from work. They watch a little TV, they, they you know, pay attention to their kids, they, they pay the bills, do the dishes, and they have precious little time. Whereas the writers, they spend eight hours a day staring at their computer screen, gobbling this stuff up. So if you look at customers, what's their basis? The basis is the product. The product works. It's beautiful. They love it. They love their phones. Maybe they don't love their maps so much. 
They love their iPad. They're not whining. They're buying everything Apple can make. So the only one whining here is some members of the media who need to find something wrong with Apple, even when there's nothing wrong with Apple. Yeah, I mean, you know, being negative creates a a false aura of expertise because presumably you have to be educated and informed to analyze what's going wrong. Well, they're analyzing what's going wrong without the substance (laughs) underneath, in my opinion, uh, just for the sake of hits. So might as well say Tim Cook should be fired, even though he's doing great work, except, of course, he's not this upfront, agitated or agitating presence in terms of press conferences and stuff. I mean, he has the spiel down pat. He has his spiel down pat. If you listen to what he says, he strikes all the right notes. But again, he does, but he this is the comment they made, by the way, about Obama, that he comes across sometimes as too professorial. Right. As too knowledgeable. He's trying to teach you something rather than overwhelm you with, you know, wacky talk. And we've all been dumbed down by uh, television and reality shows and, and, and bachelor dating shows and other crap. Um, and, uh, and so we don't really see and understand um, intelligence when it's in our face. So it, it being hard to digest, we just blow it off. Right. If they do something that's smart, it makes sense. Oh, listen, you know, that's nothing right. to be paying attention to. Apple has all these problems. Look at all the things that are going wrong with Apple. How is Apple going to execute this year? And that's the other thing, too, here. And that is, we don't know what Apple's going to produce this year. We don't know if there's going to be any real revolution or if it's going to be just refreshes, which is most years, you know? Most of the years, Apple refreshes. I mean, look at the Mac. The Mac's been around since 1984. 28 years of Macs, right? Right? 28 uh, years of Macs. Let's see. 26. Let's see. 84, 16, 13, exactly. 29 years. 20 years. Okay. 29 years of Macs right now. The Mac has been around for 29 years, and Apple is still producing them. Yeah, the look is different. The operating system has changed. The processor has changed, but the fundamental of the Mac OS is still there. Also still here, John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN Great Talk Radio starts here. Hey, neighbors, got a small business or a large company that needs to be online 24-7? Well, here's the little secret. To make sure your site is always online, you need world-class DNS service from Dyn. That's D-Y-N. For years, Dyn has been helping companies ranging from the scrappy young startup to the giant media moguls of the world with making sure websites are fast and always available and that your emails are getting delivered. D-Y-N. Get faster internet by using Dyn for DNS. Visit Dyn.com slash podcast 30. Fill out the contact form or start shopping right away and save 30%. By using the promo code PODCAST30 at checkout. Again, visit Dyn.com, that's D-Y-N.com, slash PODCAST30. Check them out today. 
radio advertising on GCN, the Genesis Communications Network is simple, affordable, and reaches millions. How do we do it? Let's break it down. First, the simple part. You tell us about your business. <laughs> then our expert radio copywriters write your copy. We hire professional voice talent. Hello there. I'm a professional announcer. And then produce your ad with just the right music and feel. <laughs> Voila. Simple. How affordable? 60-second ads on GCN are the most affordable national radio advertising rates, period. And that brings us to reach. Millions of people listen to GCN radio programs on over 700 AM and FM and XM stations and streaming audio live. That's it. A one-stop shop. Creative radio ads. Very affordable rates. Millions of potential customers and customer service that can't be beat. See our current list of satisfied advertisers at GCNlive.com. Then shoot us an email, advertise at GCNlive.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP. As slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP as slim as possible. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer providing a reality check about, guess what? About Apple and the fact that Wall Street is really destroying their stock in terms of selling, sell, 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 they're saying, even though Apple is actually doing very well. I mean, record sales. How could you complain about that? But they can. They will. That's how it happens. Let's move on with some more things. Before we get into some of your other issues, number five, I'm going to go out of order here because it's more fun that way. Number five, 
turns out that Apple sold 2 million Apple TVs the last quarter. Sales were up 60% of the previous year. So this has become, for most companies, a very successful product. To Apple, it's still a hobby? Yeah, that's an interesting situation. Uh, There's real growth there. Uh, Apple's uh, earnings growth uh, year over year is uh, perhaps 10%. Um, Macintosh sales were down uh, slightly, but Tim Cook explained that because of the Several factors, a uh, slight inability to meet demand plus um, a 13-week quarter versus uh, 14. So, you know, when you look at things in the background that could cause that, you know, Macintosh sales held their own, would have hold, held their own fairly well if Apple could have met demand for the new iMacs. So um, you've got this product, the Apple TV. If you look at the sales chart, I published an article today, they sold in the calendar year 5.9 million. If you look at the aggregate sales to date and account for the older products, you know, the first generation going out of service and failing, they estimate there's 10 million of these Apple TVs in service, generating about $4 million a year in revenue, plus another half billion in hardware sales. So you've got a product that's generating $4.5 billion a year. Now that's what, maybe. Two or three percent of Apple's total revenues, but any company would love to have a hobby like that. And you have to look. Basically, what Apple did here is in 2012 they sold as many Apple TVs as 2007, 8, 9, 10, and 11. Right? Well, let's see. Um, roughly, yeah. Roughly, basically, they sold about as many in one year as they sold all the previous years. So we have to see where it's going. If nothing else changes except for iterative improvements, you know, maybe more powerful hardware, more apps, stuff like that, it's going to do well. So where does Apple do the sea change? This is what people it's are asking about. Good question. When you've got a product whose sales are rising as fast as that product, do you jump in and muddy the waters with your Apple HD TV display? Or do you perhaps look at serendipity? You've got 10 million units out there. What could that lead to next? You've got rising sales. Why not let that sort of play itself out? You never could predict what might happen when maybe next year you'll have 20 million units out there and you're generating $10 billion a year in revenue. so the gist of my article was it appears that Apple's letting this play out before they rush into the the uh, rumored uh, high-definition TV display. Now, the key there is what's Apple's end game? Is their end game to sell this little $100 box and admittedly make a lot of money? Or is it to disrupt the TV viewing experience? If you listen to Tim Cook between the lines, you know he has said that Apple has an intense interest in the TV business, and he believes that there's uh, room for Apple to to make a difference here. So we discussed this at length at the Mac Observer, uh, Brian Chaffin and I, and it seems like there are roadblocks with getting content. The content holders are playing it very cagey and making sure that no one deliverer has an opportunity to dominate uh, the content and to dominate the competition. So they're parceling it out piecemeal. Hulu gets some 
Amazon gets some, Apple gets some, Netflix gets some. And so they get very, very rich, and all the players squabble with each other trying to get a heads up on, but they can't. So for Apple to think that they're going to be able to acquire enough content to change the way we watch television in terms of content is a pipe dream. So we've been thinking that the way Apple can do that is by changing the way we interact with our television through a clever integration with the Internet. So you get a smart TV. Things are, are different. One of the examples, just one of many, that I like to use is that once you've got an Apple TV and you're in charge of the display and you're downstream of the HDMI handshaking, you've got control of the picture. Okay, so what can you do? Well, you might be able to use signal processing techniques to get rid of those annoying graphics that pop up on the screen, little animated graphics that try to make you watch another show while you're trying to enjoy a movie. Or Apple might be able to do something that akin to what Dish is doing uh, with the ad hopper, and you might be able to obliterate the commercials in a different way, even um, with your DVR running and supplying content to the Apple TV. So there's opportunities for you to interact. There's facial recognition. Uh, you might be able to integrate international movie database somehow on the screen to be able to do call-outs and say, oh, I wonder who that is on the screen. Oh, I know the name of that actor. Oh, yes. And so you put the little pointer in the actor's face, and boom, IMDb comes up and says, oh, yeah, that's Nicolas Cage. If Apple's got the end game of trying to disrupt, disintermediate, and renew the TV watching experience, I think eventually they'll have to build a TV. But I think what's happening is, is that the Apple TV... The little box, not the, the big display, is doing so well that Apple's kind of floating along here and saying, well, you know, we'll rake in the bucks. Four and a half billion dollars a year is pretty nice. Let's continue to work the technology behind the scenes because technology is developing very fast and see how it goes. And there may come a time when Apple TV sales peter out, no longer have the explosive growth they're having. And then Apple says, OK, now it's time to leverage that opportunity. I don't think Apple does it that way, though. I think Apple is never afraid, as we go back to the iPod, the Nano Minis and all that, Apple is never afraid to disrupt. If they had the product ready and content situation agreements, whatever it takes, if they had the thing ready to go, everything to go out the door, it wouldn't matter. Because they could still sell the Apple TV if they sold the TV set. There are a lot of people with existing TV sets who say, I'm not going to buy a new set now, but I'll take an Apple TV and get a lot of the experience. Yeah, that's true, too. That's true, too. And, and so I think that sometime late this year, Apple's going to be ready with the technology. Uh, but it's interesting to watch, and it's, it's awe-inspiring to see how fast the Apple TV is growing. And it's interesting to think about how Apple may be perceiving the, the development of this business. You know, one of the things that happened with the iPad mini that, that wasn't foreseen was is that the killer feature of the iPad mini was the weight. Everybody's marveling about how easy it is to hold in the hand. And everybody's talking about how when they pick up their iPad 4, it feels like a brick. And, and so there was this unintended consequence of the 7-inch screen size. It's, it's not the 7-inch size. It's the weight that was the killer feature. Well, what happens when these Apple TV sales continue to grow and grow, and you've got $10 million now, $20 million next year? What are the opportunities there as well? Well, the thing you also have to look at here in terms of the iPad mini, we assume that Apple didn't realize it would become the mainstream iPad, the iPad mini. Yeah. 
But we don't know that. Apple may have realized that this would be the disruptive product, that this is the something where it combines the lightweight with a usable amount of screen real estate. The big play that Phil Schiller made when they brought out the product in October was look at the other products. They're widescreen, seven inches. There's no space there vertically if you turn the thing into a horizontal position. Mm-hmm. But ours there is because we're using the 4-3 aspect ratio. It's got useful space so you're able to get things done in a device just shy of 8 inches. It weighs a lot less than the full-size iPad. And to leave this before we go to our next segment, it won't be long before it sports it's a retina display. We have John Martellaro joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs> America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com we travel so much, and having a fake TV, well, it gives added peace of mind. Burglars look for houses that appear to be easy targets. But fake TV can fool even professional burglars into thinking someone is home watching television. As a recent widow living alone, it gives me great peace of mind to set my fake TV near a window and know that passing motorists and pedestrians will think someone is home watching TV when I'm actually away from home. Fake TV easily plugs into any outlet, just like a light on a timer. And they're so easy to use, you just plug them in and they're ready to go. Plus, they're so affordable that we have one upstairs and downstairs. Fake TV is only $34.95. Order your fake TV by calling 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. That's 877-532-5388 or faketv.com. Fake TV. The Burglar Deterrent. Food storage? Check. Survival tools? Check. Weapons and water filters? Check. But what about a permanent source of cooking power that can run forever without buying fuel or paying for maintenance? Introducing Afterburner Stoves, home of the original patented rocket stove, the Kelly Kettle, and the Solo Stove. Afterburner Stoves has what you need and now offers all GCN listeners our complete preparedness package with the means to cook meals and sanitize water. Whether you dig in or bug out, cook almost any meal with just a handful of sticks. We already have the lowest online prices guaranteed 
guaranteed. But if you enter coupon code GCN at checkout, we'll knock off an additional 15% and send you our amazing six-hour solar rechargeable light bulb absolutely free, all for only $249. Visit afterburnerstoves.com or call 866-716-5214. 866-716-5214. Afterburnerstoves.com. Cook hot meals with just a handful of sticks. Is 2013 your year to achieve more, more vitality, more health, more well-being? Hi, this is Pastor Jenny. For 25 years, I spent my life's work teaching others how to achieve more. But in 2010, I got a lesson of my own about RNA drops. I learned that there are millions of gene switches latent in every single cell of my body that are waiting for an activator. I learned by taking RNA drops, I could begin to activate that power in my cells and achieve the more that I desire. I'd like to share what I discovered with you and send you a free 30-day supply of RNA drops valued at $50 for just the cost of shipping and handling. Go to rnafreesample.com. That's rnafreesample.com. Or call me toll free at 888-577-3703. That's 888-577-3703. rnafreesample.com. Discover the more that's waiting for you. to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. John Martellaro joins us on the Tech Night Owl Live, and we were talking about the iPad Mini. And what I was saying, and you were about to jump in with a comment, is that it's only a matter of time before there's a version with a retina display. Yeah, you know, Tim Cook during the earnings call uh, said that they expected to catch up with uh, the uh, iPad mini demand the next quarter. And then uh, the speculation is, is that pretty soon, maybe in March, we'll see an iPad mini with a retina display. So just as Apple catches up with demand, they'll come out with a new one. That's going to be interesting. Going to freak know it's out coming. the competition. You know, I w- I'm not going to mind because, you know, I love the iPad mini that I have, and I'm I'm not uh, upset about the resolution. It looks very good. And, and going back to what you said before, I think that 4x3 is one of the cleverest things that Apple's ever done in designing the iPad. That was that was amazing. And it's, it's interesting how, of all the things that the competitors try to copy in terms of patents, a four by three display is something that they're not very much, you know, interested in copying. But it's really the, the sort of the uh, the keystone feature of the iPad. Well, they were thinking of content consumption in terms of movies. So you watch a widescreen movie on it, you can't have a four three display like a standard definition product. You want widescreen, so they all thought widescreen. Well, that's where I, their minds I, went. They I, didn't no, realize people are reading books on it. it. Yeah, but and, and you got to remember also, I got this Google Nexus ten. And I watched a movie on that. Now, that's a, that's a 16 by 9, which, what, 1.78, right? So I watched a movie, and the movie was 2.2 to 1. So it was still letterboxed on the Google Nexus 10. Right, but, you know, you're using this as an all-purpose device, not just to download movies. And they don't see that. You know, they look at the one feature they think they've got an edge on, and Apple 
comes up with something that is a more general purpose product you can use for different things. That goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the show, where this very clever 4 by 3 aspect ratio makes it incredibly usable and is probably a factor in why people love their iPads so much. The competition comes along and thinks, wow, if, if 16 by 9 on a high-def TV is right, then it's the right thing to do on the tablet. And all the writers go, oh, 16 by 9, that's got to be better than 4 by 3. All these tablets are better. It's like Consumer Reports, which does dumb things like that. They look at the feature set and they rate it better. It's like, you know, if a four-inch screen is good, a five-inch screen is better. Well, yeah, but stick it in your pocket unless you want to moonlight as a clown. You have the big pockets. Right. So we're not getting a lot of that intelligence and that perspective and that sort of respect for the Apple insight. Writers don't want to explain that stuff. It, It appears to be tiresome and boring to go into those interesting details but you can't light up people's blood pressure with articles like that well professor cook also said something during the conference call with analysts about the size of the screen and he points out the ease of use there and what he's telling you is you know how much bigger can you make a smartphone before it becomes uncomfortable to stick in your pocket well i saw an interesting comment on twitter about that Apple, Tim Cook, and and everybody else will claim that a four-inch screen is just right so you can use your thumb over the full expanse, and they'll claim that that's the right way to do it until it isn't. And I I believe that. Apple makes the best of what they've got and what they think is the right thing at the moment, and they'll market the hell out of it. But you know that if they see an opportunity, they'll change in a heartbeat. Well, it's still their perception of what makes the best product. They're going to follow their own gut. They're not going to produce something because somebody else did it. That's another reason why the analysts go astray is because Apple's stubborn. Apple doesn't seem to respond to their snarky technical whims. So Samsung has this, you know, 4.8-inch screen, and it's got a 1080 display, and it's cool. Of course, HTC is going in financial trouble trying to build all this advanced technology. And then they go, oh, Apple... They can't keep up. Well, they're making money. They're making all the profits. They're doing things their own way. They don't seem to be jumping through hoops and doing what the the tech columnists think they should be doing. And so, well, we'll beat them up a little bit. Well, again, Apple will not do what they want. And if Apple doesn't do what they want, you know what? Let's fire Tim Cook. Tim Cook's no good. I mean, Tim Cook is not Steve Jobs. He's not producing a revolutionary product every year. Oh, my God, Apple missed a couple of quarters because of our inflated expectations of what they'd sell. The company's toast. Get rid of the guy. But when the company is selling everything they can make and can't keep up with demand, that's the killer. That's the key. Pay attention to that. That requires intelligence. Yep. And that's what's so unfortunate here. We're not seeing a lot of intelligence on the part of the analysts. So let's just kind of leave the Apple TV, except for the one thing here is I still think there's a possibility here that there will be another Apple TV which will become a hub kind of product. Not just something to handle different services, but to manage all your devices. It's not meant to replace them, but to deal with the fact that you got the game console, to deal with the fact that you've got the Blu-ray player, and therefore with all this stuff going on, you need some way to integrate everything. Right now, it's a disaster. I'm thinking here, for example... Just recently, I decided to review a couple of these sound boxes, not sound bars, 
sound bases is what we're talking about here. A sound base is really something that will fit under a TV, which contains all of your audio componentry in its side. You'll have the speakers, the amplifier, everything, subwoofers. So it becomes the base for your TV. So you have the TV cabinet, whatever it is. On top of that, you put this base, which is maybe four to six inches high, and the TV goes atop that, even a TV that weighs like 150 pounds. So I'm reviewing that kind of product, and so in order to make it work seamlessly, I had to take my Logitech Harmony Universal Remote and integrate that so that when I press the volume control, it activates the sound base or the particular audio product I'm using. So I have one from Zvox and one from another company called Speakercraft. So I have one from Zvox, another from Speakercraft, and the key is here to integrate that with the remote. So I set the volume, it has to go up and down on the universal remote, not the TV set, but, of course, the amplifier home theater system, okay? Right. Also, it's got to mute when they mute, got to change inputs when they change inputs, on, off, that kind of thing. You know... It's a little tricky to set up those universal remotes. As simple as it's supposed to be, it's tricky. And you've got to go through a little bit of trial and error before it comes out perfectly. And I like the Harmony, by the way. But It's, it's, gone. Apple- it's gone. Logitech is dumping it. Oh, they're dumping the just Harmony? Re- just read that today. Why? Yep. I guess they weren't making any money. I can find the article and send it to you. Okay, I appreciate that. That would be unfortunate. Because that's the best universal remote I've seen. But, okay, so I have a dead-end product. I'll keep it until it dies. All right, so there you go. Okay, but if Apple has a device that can be voice-directed, even have facial recognition so it knows it's Gene's programming, it is Barbara's programming, it's John Martellaro and his wife's programming, if Apple puts all that in one box, an Apple TV digital hub, that would also deal with a lot of the problems of TV. It's not turning on the TV and switching the channel. It is turning on the TV and dealing with all this other junk. You know, it's amazing that uh, despite the simplicity of it, the one technology thing that causes problems for people is switching their HDMI inputs. I can't imagine how many times a day uh, somebody asks the technical geek in the household. Now, how do I, which, which button do I press to select the Blu-ray player input instead of the DVR? And, and, and that seems to be kind of a non-standardized issue, and it's one of the biggest headaches for homeowners. The other big headache is that, you know, if Apple were to, to build a high-definition TV display and do wonderful things with with the Siri and remotes and customized viewing and video interaction, there's still the speaker issue, you know? How, how do you get really good sound? There are lots of people who go to Costco or Sam's Club and they buy a 50-inch plasma or LCD display and they come home and they think, wow, what a wonderful display. And they plug their DVR into it, the back of it. And guess what? The sound comes out of these two little tinny speakers on the side. I talked to one guy at Costco who's their chief uh, audio video sales guy, and he says the best we can do with people who are not happy with that is we sell them a sound bar so that at least they can get some semblance of 3.1 audio. But in terms of getting into a, a receiver, a good HDMI you know, input receiver with a 5.1 output, that's hard for people. They don't have the room. 
They don't have the wiring. They don't have the funds to buy the speakers. And it's complex. The setup is is. a monster. You look at the back of a receiver, you got like 47 different plugs. Yes. And then think integrating good sound within a TV set. Bose does that, by the way. But the problem is the cheapest Bose with this tricked out sound is five grand for the 46 inch version and a few hundred more for the 55 inch version. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Many Americans suffer from digestive problems, often totally unaware they're not absorbing essential nutrients from foods and supplements. Dr. Peter Glidden is aware of the importance of healing a damaged digestive system. Now, the product that I'm going to talk about today, Mackey Plus, and it is a combination of a superfruit, the Mackey Berry, and aloe vera juice. Now, aloe vera is a very interesting nutritional supplement to talk about because aloe vera, you know, it's the stuff that you put on your skin if you get a burn. And man, it really knocks down the pain, the inflammation of the burn and facilitates healing. Well, guess what? It does the same thing internally that it does externally to burns. To soothe and heal your digestive system, order Mackey Plus today by calling 855-347-3696. That's 855-347-3696 or on the web at fireyourmdnow.com. That's fireyourmdnow.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Question being TV sound, does Apple try to address that? But I don't think Apple wants to sell a $5,000 set, John Martellaro. What do you think? I don't think so. I don't think they... want to sell a $2,000 set when you can buy the equivalent plasma for maybe $1,000. And you know what's coming up now here is that as the technology improves, everything gets better. The average product gets better. So plasma, of course, has the advantage of deep blacks, unlimited viewing angle, really beautiful Mm -hmm. reproduction. But you know what happens here is it uses more power. LCD gives you a brighter picture, and what they've done is they've tweaked LCD with LED and all this other stuff, so the blacks are not so far off from the plasma. It's getting pretty close. The viewing angle gets better to a point where 
right now most TV sets are LED or LCD with LED, whatever. And part of it is that they've made improvements in the technology to bring it closer to plasma. And it's got, of course, the power efficiencies that plasma doesn't have. Like uh, Panasonic, Panasonic recognizing that is working very hard to keep their costs down. And if you look at the, the prices, you'll find that in general, given a constant size, that the plasma display will be 100 to $200 less expensive. You can get a good plasma display from Panasonic for, what, $900 now? Yeah, maybe uh, a 45 or 50-inch for $900, 1080p. These are great displays, and they're very competitive. And so the question is, you know, would Apple go with the less expensive, higher-quality display, plasma, and take the heat because there's so many misperceptions about plasma, you know, burn-in and things like that? How will they deal with the, the speaker situation? One can imagine there's a lot of technical hurdles for Apple to try to deal with in this process. They might be able to develop some, uh, some technology with a soundbar built in that can throw out you know, a sound field that is good enough. It's a difficult problem. Well, regardless, the other technology that's coming online is OLED. Very thin. Beautiful picture, has all the benefits of all the other technologies. Uh, it's too expensive right now for Apple to deal That's with. That's it, because right now there's a 55-inch OLED TV from LG. It's $10,300 if you buy it in Korea, South Korea. It's $12,000 when it goes on sale in the U.S. It weighs less than 20 pounds. It's 4 millimeters thick. But it's going to take a few years for the technology to become efficient enough that you can sell one for twelve, fifteen hundred dollars Maybe not then. And during those years, plasma and LCD will continue to get better, so the difference in quality may not be as much. If I were a betting man, I would say that Apple would come out with a, a 45 and a 55-inch LED LCD display with fabulous, to keep the cost down, and a fabulous user interface and some sort of technical development uh, with built-in speakers to provide good enough sound, better than just you know two little tinny stereo speakers on the side. And then if you want to plug it into your 5.1 system, you're free to do so. I think that would work. Well, they still, with better sound, have to charge it a little bit more, but you could incorporate there the technology from a sound base or a sound bar. Mm-hmm. But you'd have to have a fairly substantial base for that set. You know, and that would maybe take away from Apple's vision of having something that's really thin with a very small bezel. I mean, look right now at like a Vizio, which is has a 50-inch TV set for about $700. It's got really, it's really thin, weighs like 35 pounds, and the difference, the bezel, is a quarter inch, a half inch, almost non-existent. And that's how TV sets are going these days. Have you ever been to a first-class uh, audio-video store? We've got two of them in Denver. The sound, I think it's the Sound Room and Cherry Creek Audio, and they've got one room where there's a 70-inch plasma and it's a 7.1 stereo speaker with Bowers and Welcome speakers and a couch, and there's a sweet spot, and you sit down in that one sweet spot, and they and they fire up some great movie like. Uh, uh, what's that Tom Cruise uh, Navy movie? Uh, Top Gun. Uh, Top Gun. Top Gun, ladies and gentlemen, is being re-released now in 3D. <laughs> so you sit in that sweet spot on the couch, and you are blown away. And once you have that experience, you will never be satisfied with uh, you know the sound coming out of the two stereo speakers 
on a side of a 45-inch plasma, which sounds so tinny and so awful. So the, the question is, is Apple going to, if they do this, are they going to set up a special section in the store, which is usually shoulder to shoulder, where you can appreciate the sound that comes out of the TV? Would they have to rearrange the store, create a little nook or something, uh, so that you would appreciate that? Uh, I hadn't thought about that till now. That's interesting. Yes, that's the issue here. How is that going to work in an Apple store? It works fine at a Best Buy. It works fine in a Walmart. It works fine. Sure, where there's practically nobody there. <laughs> so you can listen to the audio without being disturbed. <laughs> right. <laughs> what can I tell you? What can I tell you? I don't know. I'm still on the fence about the Apple Smart TV. I think it will go more towards the set-top box. Or Apple might be looking at other things that we have no ideas about. You know, isn't it what Apple said here? There's now a short excerpt of one of the Steve Jobs movies, bio movies, out. And he's being told by Wozniak, basically, nobody wants to buy these personal computers. And he says, they don't know what they want to buy until we show them what they need. Is this the Jobs movie with Ashton Kutcher? Yes, it is. He's bad, by the way. He's not the greatest actor in the world. I guess he's good for light comedy. But I watched him trying to imagine him being Steve Jobs, and you know what? I couldn't. Mm. Did you see the movie? No, I saw this three-minute segment, two- or three-minute segment that they're showing on one of the websites. Just an excerpt. It's the scene of him... As a young man, you know, 20 years old, whatever, trying to sell his business partner, Wozniak, on the benefits of personal computers. And I guess a Mac, something that people are going to really want to buy and use as a computing appliance. And, you know, he had the lines right, but the acting chops weren't there. You could not see him as Steve Jobs, no way. Those kinds of movies mystify me because most of us, uh, even the youngest of us, have lived through the Steve Jobs era, you know, starting when he came back to Apple. And we've seen him on TV and we've seen his keynotes on the Internet and we know what the man was like. So why do we need to have an actor, as you said, who may not be that, that good in, in representing that particular man? Why do we need to have a movie about what we just lived through? that perhaps distorts the historical record. I don't, I don't understand that kind of fiction. Or See, I understand, for example, I understand, I understand the movie Lincoln, where they try to accurately portray the way he looked and sounded. That's useful. Historical fiction or uh, historical yes. documentaries or something in between is useful to remind us of what went, went on in the past and to inspire us. And it should be shown in, you know, in school classes instead of having kids being listening to an instructor droning on about Lincoln, they should watch the movie and become inspired. But in terms of Steve Jobs, it's too soon. I think it's just a, it's a money grab. It doesn't serve any useful purpose for us to watch a movie like that when we, we lived through it. And those of us who have met Steve Jobs and seen him do his thing through the years, and I went to a number of the Macworld Expos and Apple events where he sure. held forth. I talked to him a couple of times And I looked at that two-minute segment from the movie. That ain't no Steve Jobs. 
what are, what are our what are the viewers' expectations? Do they think that they're going to learn something new about Steve Jobs, or that they'll be entertained in some way that they weren't entertained when Steve was talking to us? <laughs> I wonder what the viewer expectation is for a movie like that. The only expectation here is the producers expect to make money. Yeah. It's all about money. It's not about creativity. It's about, about art. And sometimes, you know, you have them coming together. You have the need to produce a commercial film, the need to make a popcorn movie, whatever it is. You want something that maybe will be suitable for awards, whatever. But you want to make back your production costs. You want to make a buck. You understand that. But this movie makes no sense. John Mortallaro makes sense. He's back for one more segment on the Tech Night Owl Live. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. In this unpredictable world, disaster can strike anyone. That's why an essential part of any emergency survival plan must be stove in a can. When power goes out and gas lines are down, the portable, safe, easy-to-use stove in a can cooks food up to four hours and boils water in as little as five minutes. Stove in a can comes with everything you need. The stove, fuel, even waterproof matches, all in a compact, durable, heavy-duty container. Plus, the all-natural, non-explosive, 100% waterproof fuel source can be stored indefinitely. Say goodbye to the hassle and danger of propane, lighter fluid, or gas. Stock up now and protect your family with Stove in a Can, starting out at $29.99. Special bundle offers now available with a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Order yours today at StoveInACan.com. That's StoveInACan.com. 
Injuries, slow healing, aches and pains, constipation, weakness, fatigue are all common the older one gets. The progressive deterioration of the body that occurs almost universally the older one gets can partly to significantly be prevented with conscientious attention to nutrition. If the Hansa men can play rugby in their 90s, then it is possible for everyone in North America to experience a more youthful life as well. One key ingredient to warding off aging and reversing some of it is the type and quality of protein consumed. All protein foods or supplements you currently consume are heat damaged, destroying 50 to 75% of your ability to utilize the bodybuilding amino acids. One World Way is not heat damaged and allows your body to utilize 100% of the amino acids. This feat no one else has achieved. The results to your health can be amazing. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorldWhey.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. With John Martellaro on the Tech Night Owl Live, there's been speculation on the Mac Observer about the form and substance or whatever of the next Mac Pro. What are we talking about here? Well, you know, last year, last summer, Tim Cook responded to a, a customer about what was going to happen with the Mac Pro. It had been a while since one had come out. Um, there were some minor updates. People were getting a little edgy about whether this was going to uh, be a dead product. And, and Tim Cook said, no, well, no, wait wait till next year. It's going to be great. Uh, and, and so that kind of set the stage for people to think about, well, what, what could Apple be up to? Is it going to be you know, something that's going to inspire us and be really cool? Or is it going to be something that you know, is just you know, another ho-hum on our worst fears, you know, just an, another ho-hum Mac Pro with the same physical design, not taking any advantages of advancing technology, not smaller, but, you know, just a tweak with the new CPU upgrade. I don't think that's going to happen. Remember that the actual design of the Mac Pro, the external case is about 10 years old. The internal workings go back to 2006. And we're worried that, you know, Apple isn't going to refresh that. I started off my article with you know, what should a Mac Pro be? What, is it, what does it mean to us? The Mac Pro has this aura about it. it it's, it's been around long enough that it has its own sort of characteristics. So a Mac Pro should be the fastest Mac that money can buy, that a reasonable amount of money can buy. It shouldn't be the same speed as, as an iMac. Uh, a Mac Pro uses the latest available technology. You, you don't hold back. If it had PCI 2, we would all yawn and, and, and commit suicide. You know, it has to have PCI 3. A Mac Pro favors expandability over trends, you know, uh, looking thin or looking cool. It want, we want it to look good, but we want it to be expandable. We want to be able to put our own SSD in. We don't want it to have any proprietary connectors. We want to be able to get in there, open it up, and expand the memory. ETO options, built-to-order options, 
should represent the technical needs of the customers, not an agenda that Apple's trying to push. For example, uh, the Fusion Drive. You know, if you want an SSD in there, you should be able to get one. Uh, right now, the options for an SSD in the iMac are rather unsavory. Um, it's the Fusion Drive, two versions of the Fusion Drive, yeah. uh, and one 768 For $1,300. And you can't put your own in. If you take it apart, you'll find the connector's proprietary. You can't even put your own SSD in. So Two appliance like We understand we, with a Mac Pro, Apple gives you a, a basic selection right. of drives. They'll give you a couple of SSDs, maybe Fusion drives, and you say, I don't want that. I'll call up Larry O'Connor at Mac Sales and say, I want this, I want that. Exactly. exactly. Do what you want. So given that that's how a Mac Pro should be in our mind, then I explored what the expected technology would be. And a little research on Intel's roadmap showed that just about the time when Tim Cook predicted the new Mac Pro would be out when he said later next year. In the third quarter, uh, Intel is supposed to generate uh, the Ivy Bridge E, a very nice, very fast CPU that has the capacity for eight cores. It'll, it'll probably ship with six to keep the heat down. It's hot, 130 watts, but it's fast. And so we would envision that because it is so hot and couldn't run inside the enclosure of an iMac, that we'll have a smaller enclosure slightly because we'll lose the optical drive, right? It's dead. I don't Rotating think, plastic is gone. <laughs> it's dead. I still think that Apple would provide it, put a As place an, there. External. Say, if you want to put one in, no, you can no, put no, one no, in, no. but they're, they're not going to make it. It's a waste of room. It's precious room that Apple can't afford if it's going to make the enclosure smaller. I think that Apple could make that thing a third smaller, a third lighter, and have plenty of room for an optical drive. Just not include it. You know, if you want it, you do it customized. Well, I, I looked at a very impressive design by Peter Zigic from, from uh, Montreal. I, I alluded to it in the first article, Designing the New Mac Pro, Technologies and Wishes, and, and showed this modular design that Peter had come up with, where it's a smaller box, but you can put modules on top, not increasing the footprint any, and add capability. Like if you really want an optical drive and some more PCI slots or, you know, a Thunderbolt expansion chassis, then, you know, you can put this stuff on top and add to it. And then in the part two of the article, he fleshed that out some more with some even more interesting internal graphics and proposed that, you know, maybe Apple would switch to the ARM uh, architecture, uh, which would save on heat problem there is is that as far as i know the arm architecture doesn't support virtual machine hardware so you wouldn't I don't be see it because you have to redo all your software uh, well you know i was pretty good at that they were really good at that uh, an ivy bridge e mac pro with pci3 multiple thunderbolt expansion ports six cores would be a screamer and with the ability to add your own memory and ssds I think it would sell very well. I think it would recover its R&D, and it would be a flagship product. You know, it would be something that Apple could advertise and say, look, you know, we're catering to government, to scientists, to researchers, to small business. This is the, the best you can buy. I mean, oh, if you want a flashy iMac that's thin on the edge, yeah, that's cool. But if you want, you know, if you want to get down to business and get down to science and engineering, then you want this box, which is your personal workstation. And so uh, I explored all of that in a couple of articles, and uh, it was a lot of fun. 
and Peter's design is awesome. You should come and take a look at the Mac Observer and and look at these Mac Pro design concepts. This should be something that would be right at home on the engineering deck of the enterprise. Well, we can all assume at this point that the design is already done. They're waiting for the chips, put everything together, test it, and sell it. It's going to be exciting. You know, I'm in the market for a new iMac, and I'm not interested in a fusion drive. I'm not interested in a regular rotating hard disk, and I'm not interested in spending $1,300 for an SSD in an iMac. So, you know, I'm thinking that if Apple comes out with a nice, expandable Mac Pro with multiple Thunderbolt ports, I could attach a cinema display, and I'd be very pleased. Mm. Sounds good to me. Yeah. I'll buy three of them. No, actually, (laughs) you know, actually, I'll tell you what. My workflow works very well on an iMac. I don't see the need in my personal workflow for one of those. John Martellaro, where do we find more of your stuff? You can find me, uh, John Martellaro, Senior Editor for Analysis and Reviews at the Mac Observer, www.macobserver.com. What articles do you have coming up in the near future? Um, well, I'm thinking about writing an article about Tim Cook's comments about how they generate product and sales. He made a very interesting comment at the end of his earnings report about how they were content. They're, they're very happy with the idea that there's this halo effect. People who buy an iDevice, like an iPad, are very likely to buy another iDevice, like an iPhone or an iPod later. We'll explore okay. the halo effect and more potential next time he comes on the show. John Martellaro, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you. It was nice to be on the show again, and I'll see you next time. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Preparedness is simple when you have the right stuff. And with the looming threat of economic collapse and possible service interruption, it's time to get the best-in-class preparedness stuff at DisasterStuff.com. DisasterStuff.com has been serving smart preppers for over 15 years with quality products like Berkey water filters. DisasterStuff.com is the official Berkey in-stock shipping center. And as always, free shipping on all Berkey products. 
Stock up on water barrels and accessories. Get Country Living or Wonder Mill Grain Mills. Excalibur Food Dehydrators. Tatler Reusable Canning Lids. Sun Oven Solar Cookers. EMP Bags to protect sensitive electronics. And don't be without your Life Straw Personal Water Filter. All from DisasterStuff.com. Preparedness is simple. With the right stuff from DisasterStuff.com. Freedom through self-reliance and personal responsibility. And in Buenos Aires, then a shuttle to Santa Rosa, where a nicely furnished cabin with all amenities, Wi-Fi, executive food and wine, and laundry service awaits. After a good night's sleep, your adventure begins. You're on a golden stag safari for big game. But it's not Africa, it's Argentina. One-on-one guided hunts for water buffalo, cougar, bighorn rams, wild boar, and the biggest stag deer in South America. All gold medal quality. All the action you can handle. Land Rovers, top rental guns with scopes. All food, beverages, hunting guides, ground transportation included, and more. All more affordable than you can imagine. The adventure of a lifetime starts at GoldenStagSafaris.com. The big game hunting ranch. GoldenStagSafaris.com. Who wants to be disease-free, full of energy, and vibrant health? Two reasons you may feel constantly tired and run down could be that your body's acid level is high and your pH level is low. How does acid enter your body? A cup of coffee, a sandwich, tap water, stress, and cell phones. Plus, your own body produces acid on a regular basis. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize the water you drink and raise your pH level. They promote more oxygen in your system, higher energy potential, and many other documented health benefits. And studies show viruses, bacteria, and toxins cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops is the least expensive and the best pH level product you can buy. Order AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for just $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615. That's 800-518-7615. Alkalize your body, supercharge your health with pH Drops from AlkaVision.com. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. We have Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show on the loop at loopinsight.com. And we're going to enter, ladies and gentlemen, the world of Alice in Wonderland. Going through the looking glass, where things are backwards, where we're living in bizarro land. And so let's take a look at a couple of facts here. Apple's being dinged because their profits were flat this December quarter, 13 and some odd billion dollars compared to last year, roughly the same, give or take, even though the previous year's quarter lasted a week longer. And now we look at Samsung. And Samsung's profits are in the $8 billion range, So Apple is taking home a lot more profits than Samsung and probably has a heck of a lot more cash in the bank. But with Apple, it's bad. With Samsung, it's good. Peter. I blame the Korean mafia. I don't know. (laughs) 
they've taken control over the American press, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, conspiracy theories aside, uh, I, I just think that that Wall Street's um, valuation of Apple is is kind of perverse with Apple's actual effect on the economy. It, you know, it, it is what it is. It's weird. I don't think any of us in the Mac in the macosphere uh, really like it, but it's it's the way that it is. And I also have to think here about the other problem. Apple is still being dinged in the press for reduced demand of the iPhone. And we look at the past quarter, the iPhone 4 is constrained. The iPhone 5 was constrained until December. We look at the iPad. The iPad mini is still constrained. We look at the iMac. It is humongously constrained. You've got to wait three or four weeks for any model. I have someone who ordered what's supposed to be a really easy-to-get 21-and-a-half-inch iMac two weeks ago. He's got to wait another week, and he's complaining. So Apple has the problem of they could have sold more, but they couldn't build enough product. That's bad. Yeah, I think that was a real miscalculation on Apple's part. You know, they they had it uh, based on, you know, their suppliers and manufacturers' best guesses when they would be able to ramp up production of these things. And that, that, that hasn't happened. You know, that hasn't happened in a very long time. And it's definitely indicative of some kind of breakdown somewhere in Apple's supply chain, which is really surprising considering that's Tim Cook's bailiwick right there. You know, that's what Tim Cook built Apple up on. You know, so it was it was a real kind of surprising letdown uh, to see happen, um, and very uncharacteristic of Apple. And it definitely affected Apple's bottom line. It was one of the things that Tim Cook said to analysts in Apple's um, quarterly financial call, uh, which just happened this past week. That was one of the things that he cited. You know, as as the reason why Apple didn't make as much money as it could have uh, in the quarter. So well, the other thing to look at here is that. Apple has some very sophisticated manufacturing processes, especially for the iMac. Yeah. And any time they do that, things can slow down and things can conspire in the supply chain to cause problems. And this is one comment that, and this is what John Martellaro of the Mac Observer calls him, Professor Cook tried to explain to the financial analysts. The professor points out, when asked about the question about reports of cutbacks in the supply chain for displays for the iPhone 5. And this started in December, and it made a little bit of a blip with Apple's stock price. Then the Wall Street Journal, having nothing better to do, repeats it in early January. And Cook reminds him you can't take one data point and assume demand and assume what our production levels are. It's just one data point. They could be changing suppliers. They could have higher yields. So say you're getting 60% yield, and I explained this in our previous segments. You're getting 60% yield from your displays. And now you've improved the manufacturing efficiency to getting 80%. So what do you do? You cut back. You order fewer parts. And that's also a reason why profits will be lower. You're ramping up a whole bunch of new products. So you have all those development costs. You have the inefficiencies of building out very sophisticated manufacturing processes. So is Apple a victim of sophistication? Well, I think it shows you the, the, the impracticalities of economy of scale at, at that particular type of engineering level. You know, because Apple's entire engineering process otherwise is focused on uh, iOS devices, right? Correct? Well, it's focused on both iOS yeah, and but, Macs, but, but, and in both cases, they're having problems with production. 
they are, but they're they're still they've still got a lot more of their production geared towards that other end of their hardware business that's making them a lot more money. If you actually if you just take a look at their financials overall, you can see it right in the numbers. You know, the the Mac bottom line is a small bottom line to Apple right now. So I think you also have to kind of pick your targets as well. What is Apple likely to focus more effort on at any given time? You know, where the bulk of their business is or where the minority of their business is. Mac users have to, in some ways, develop a... a, um, Thicker um, skin. Yeah, exactly. A a, a realization of their place in the world. But that's also a realization of where the PC is. You know, we're living in a post-PC society, right? The great prophet Steve Jobs said it before his death, brother. Well, you see what we really want to happen here. This is what the media wants. The media wants to go to a medium and have that medium call up Steve Jobs every week and get some comments from him. Hey, what do you think Tim Cook's doing? Tim Cook is managing a company that makes record sales, has humongous profits, has $127 billion in the bank, and that's not good enough. And that's not good enough. That's exactly right. It's not good enough. In fact, just at that time, the dogs outside started howling. I think they're in touch with Steve Jobs right now. And he's really upset over this entire situation. Let's let's have a seance. Well, that's our other show. In fact, maybe we should do that in the Paracast one of these weeks. And that is we call out a medium. We have to find the right medium. Okay? We find the right medium. Like the character that Whoopi Goldberg played in Ghost. Of course, we'll call Whoopi and see if she knows any good mediums. Because she obviously had to use a real medium to be influenced to play an Academy Award winning role. So we get Whoopi Goldberg in here. And we say, Whoopi, we need to channel Steve Jobs and find out what he was doing. Oh, wait a minute. Didn't Jobs say to Tim Cook, when you do your thing here, in so many words, don't ask what I would do, because that was the mistake that Walt Disney made. Walt Disney, when he died, the people who took over the company kept thinking, gee, what would Walt do under these circumstances? And that really caused problems. So Tim Cook can't ask what would Steve Jobs do? It is use your best instincts and do what you're going to do, what you think is best. That's exactly right. You know, so I, it, Steve definitely freed him from, from that, uh, uh, that legacy, you know, by telling him to go his own way. Um, and I, I think it's, it's very telling about the way that Tim Cook is running Apple. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is that there's... There's been this steady stream of, of what would Steve Jobs do ever since Steve Jobs passed away, right? You know, the sort of dismissal in the media of Tim Cook, you know, as, you know, worthy of touching the master's garments. Well, he's been there since the 1990s. The supply chain is his. and on Exactly three, right. Exactly right. Two or three previous occasions, he ran the company. When Jobs was sick, he was in the hospital, he's getting a new liver. Who was running the company? Did it run itself? It certainly did not run itself. You're right. Tim Cook has been running the company de facto for a very long time. So, you know, to hear the media go on and on about, you know, uh, Tim Cook's mastery of his own company is ridiculous to me. That's what's making me angry on Angry Mac Bastards this week, Gene. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, we understand that. I have a headline at technightowl.com this week. 
they want to fire Tim Cook. That's it. And one comment I made, which echoes what I said here, or maybe call a medium and contact Steve Jobs in the afterlife and get him involved once again. Calling Dr. Frankenstein. Let's have Dr. Frankenstein dig up the grave and resurrect him. Igor, where are you? Right here on the Tech Night Owl Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Food storage? Check. Survival tools? Check. Weapons and water filters? Check. But what about a permanent source of cooking power that can run forever without buying fuel or paying for maintenance? Introducing Afterburner Stoves, home of the original patented rocket stove, the Kelly Kettle, and the Solo Stove. Afterburner Stoves has what you need and now offers all GCN listeners our complete preparedness package with the means to cook meals and sanitize water. Whether you dig in or bug out, cook almost any meal with just a handful of sticks. We already have the lowest online prices guaranteed, but if you enter coupon code GCN at checkout, we'll knock off an additional 15% and send you our amazing six-hour solar rechargeable light bulb absolutely free, all for only $249. Visit afterburnerstoves.com or call 866-716-5214, 866-716-5214, afterburnerstoves.com. Cook hot meals with just a handful of sticks. What's better than Mountain House freeze-dried food? Buckets of Mountain House freeze-dried food. Now the freeze-dry guy introduces convenient, easy-to-store Mountain House survival buckets filled with our top-selling items. Each item is sealed in a Mylar-type pouch, and each pouch is neatly packed in clear buckets so you can easily see the contents inside. These Mountain House survival buckets come with well over a 25-year shelf life and are perfect for emergency preparedness, camping, backpacking, or at-home use. Go to freezedryguy.com, click on freeze-dried foods, and choose our 12-month, six-month, three-month, one-month, or seven-day Mountain House Survival Bucket with 32 generous servings starting at just $69.95. And all orders to the lower 48 ship free. Call 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. That's 866-404-3663 or go to freezedryguy.com. 100% veteran-owned. The Freeze Dry Guy. 
Hello? Congratulations. For what? For losing all that weight. How'd you do it so fast? ASAP. ASAP what? What's that mean? Are you ready to get as skinny as possible, as soon as possible, as simple as possible, and as sexy as possible? I'm listening. Then get with the ASAP program. It's real and it works. No smooth talk, no slick advertising, and no exaggerated claims of success. I've got to know more. Welcome to ASAP, as slim as possible. Whether you have 10, 20, or 50 pounds to lose, ASAP is your weight loss answer. ASAP targets the abnormal fat reserves and makes them available to be burned as fuel and contains no caffeine or hormones. Order ASAP at wholesale prices or join the team to share the business with others. Visit GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Lose weight and look great with ASAP, as slim as possible. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Isle live, we have Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show and the Loop at LoopInsight.com. We're not calling Dr. Frankenstein. We're not calling Igor. We're not calling Count Dracula. We're not going to resurrect Steve Jobs. We're simply going to try to provide a reality check on how Apple is doing. So I can't understand also why the press has become lazier and lazier. The meme is demand is sinking for the iPhone. Apple has to do something about it. But there's not a scintilla of evidence of that. Yeah, and I've also uh, sort of dovetailing with that. The other end of the spectrum are these sort of chin-stroking editorial pieces talking about how Apple has lost its cool in the popular marketplace. And, you know, the the lucrative youth market is no longer, you know, looking at Apple as a favorable brand and all this other chin-stroking BS that just makes me sick to my stomach. Where did I get that kind of figure about kids? I, well, I think it's in the imagination. You know, it's in the imagination of who's ever writing the piece to sort of slant it this way or that way, whichever way they want to. Is there evidence to support it? I don't know. And none of these, uh, these editorials that I read seem to, to carry any weight as far as that's concerned. Well, I saw one article where they were telling us what Apple had to do to change. Number one is get rid of Tim Cook and put Jonathan Ive in his place. Now, Ive is a great designer. But he's never managed a company. He's never managed a supply chain. Oh, that was ridiculous. When I read that, I couldn't believe it. That Johnny Ive, this guy, and you know what frosted my butt about that one, Gene? The guy's name is Peter Cohan, and he's from Boston. Oh, boy, yes, I noticed that. So we have a sane or semi-sane Peter Cohen and a really dumb no, Peter Cohen. Peter Cohen over the the mindless jabberings of Peter Cohen. Well, a lot more noise there. He also says, "Well, Apple has to produce a cutting edge product every year." Okay, so in 2001 we get the iPod. In 2007 we get the iPhone. In six years, Apple did not incite a tech revolution. Six years. Should we have fired Steve Jobs then? What about the fact that between 2007 and 2010, no more revolutions until the iPad came around? Should we have fired Steve Jobs then? They don't understand what's going on. How can they be so dumb? 
they don't understand Apple's long game. And that is, you know, its long game is to find opportunities it has it, it has to introduce transformational technologies on society, right? That's always been sort of Apple's overreaching mantra, right? You know, they did it with the Apple II. They did it with the Macintosh. They did it with the iPod. They did it with the iPhone. They did it with the iPad, you know, and all the various products that have come from that. You know, and the cycle of massive industry creation only lasts for so long. And then, you know, at that point, it becomes kind of a crowded marketplace as everybody else muscles in. And then Apple becomes yet another business at the side of the road doing that stuff. You know, if you take a look at the, the overall uh, percentages of tablet sales, you know, or of smartphone sales, you can see that Apple is a big player in those markets. It, it may not be dominant, but, you know, it's a very significant player in those markets. And it seems to be making a lot of money in those markets while other companies are emphasizing volume over profits and occupying it a different way, like Samsung. I'm just trying to segue back into our last segment a little bit to give your listeners an overall sense of context for what we're talking about. Well, remember also that Samsung has, what, 80 different models of smartphones and regular feature phones. So they have a higher market share. Apple has iPhone 4, iPhone 4S, iPhone 5. So we have three against 80. (laughs) Yeah, this is exactly, you know. Well, the last time I checked, there are a lot more insect populations, you know, species on the planet than there are, you know, primates. You know, it's it, 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 it. You're talking about different business models that are on complete different ends of the scale, you know, ecologically. And you're not saying that one method is necessarily invalid or the other. Samsung is a very successful company. No, uh, all, yeah, uh, sure. exactly. I mean, they all have profits to crow about. You know, they should be happy. You know. I mean, we have to look at, well, if we're going to look at profits and consider them important, well, Amazon very rarely shows much of a profit. Yeah, Amazon. Amazon. Interesting. They're another one that just emphasizes volume over profits, I think. Right. And they put everything back in the company, and we understand that. Yeah, exactly. But then, if you don't have a lot of profits, what do you use for R&D? Oh, there is no R&D. Well, there is R&D, but just not on the same scale or, you know, anything as as what uh, Apple is doing. Well, it's a totally different thing. I mean, where is the innovation in the Kindle Fire? They're get, they're getting a they're getting a pre-baked operating system. You know, they're getting um, you know just like Samsung does. You know, with its phones. I mean, you know, Samsung didn't do a massive part of the R and D that's involved with getting a, a phone to market, right? They just handed off the operating system to somebody else. And sure, they do a few things here and there, but it's not the same level of of R and D depth that you see at Apple, right? Well, in a case like that. All they're doing is throwing parts together. It's not like developing sophisticated manufacturing techniques. It's the same thing as the PC industry. All they do is throw parts into a box and say, okay, here's a product. Oh, we need to add this feature because XYZ doesn't have it or Apple doesn't have it. Let's throw that in there too. Yeah. Oh, well. Dead air. Dead air? 
yeah, just you know, let it linger, linger there, let it linger there for a second. Lingering. You know, I was told when I went to radio school, this is many centuries ago. Don't allow dead air. People will tune out. If they hear a second of silence, they'll go to the next station. They will listen to you. So you have to constantly do something, say something, make a noise, play a sound effect. Yeah, it's a little bit different in the age of podcasting. (laughs) Well, remember, this is a commercial radio show going on real radio stations. But I still think it's nonsense. If I want to have a second of silence... There you go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, it's uh, it's definitely um, a, a, an important uh, oratory tool. I think the thing that worries me most about all the nonsense about Apple is when the stock price goes down and people who invested at a certain level are yeah. seeing their money, their investment disappear because of nonsense. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, look, I, I don't have a dime in the stock market, so um, I, 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 I don't even know what to say to those people. You know, it's, it, it's, uh, um, it is, as I said before, um, just to restate, I, I, I guess the, 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 the overarching point I want to make here, it's, it's, it's a different look at you know, the value of a company um, to uh, its marketplace than production numbers. Well, the other thing here is that they don't like Apple because they won't listen to them. You know, analysts or some tech pundits will say Apple should produce this product. They should produce that product. And they'll go on and give you the reasons. And maybe some of those reasons are valid. But if yeah, Apple doesn't listen to them, they resent it. It's it's no different than Tom Brady should have done this and that at the, in, in the last Patriots game. You know, it's it's the same sort of armchair quarterbacking that you hear from. Well, with athletes and sport sporting events, we understand. It's the it's it, it, it's the exact same thing as armchair quarterbacking um, a, a a Sunday night football game. You know, it's it's exactly the same thing because it's people thinking that that they can do the job better than the people they're they're watching, you know, the plays happen by. You know, it just it, and it's it's never made sense to me that that uh, you know somebody who's got a column somewhere or somebody who's being paid you know money in in a in an entirely different line of work would uh, you know assume that they know how to do somebody else's job that much better. But it's an essential foible of, 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 of human nature, I think. Well, um, I mean, look, you want to know that you have some worth in the society and not that you just describe who sits there and you're a hack writer and most everything you say is wrong. <laughs> then, well, then it's really troublesome. We have Peter Cohen, who's never troublesome. And frankly speaking, he's seldom ever wrong. He'll even tell you that himself. He really will. Don't take that to the bank on the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even if I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months, simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. Welcome back to Get Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. Peter Cohen likes to make waves, but do so in a responsible fashion. And sometimes he gets angry. That's why they have the Angry Mac Bastards radio show. And they say things you can't say on regular radio, so we can't have him repeat that here. We basically have a little bit of a muzzle on him, saying, okay, say what you want to say, but just watch a few words. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Peter. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. On Angry Mac Bastards, we work blue. So, you know, don't play it in the vicinity of uh, pregnant women or small children. I don't Uh, know. Some small children these days, I think, know the words better than we do. It's true. Have you heard the filth coming out of kids' mouths today when they play their online gamings? Not really my cup of tea. I don't follow the (laughs) online gaming. So tell me, what do they do? Oh, my kids play Minecraft and they play all sorts of stuff online. But it's amazing to hear, you know, just some of the things that these kids will say to each other because I've listened into their Skype chats before. It's it's quite hilarious Um, and usually incredibly vulgar. But how old are your kids? My oldest is 17. And the youngest? 12. Okay, so we know they are in the zone for that kind of word, that kind of language. Absolutely. So does daddy come over and say, don't do that? Or do you kind of look upon them with a bit of understanding because you did the same thing? Hey, look, I work blue. I have, uh, especially out of anyone, I have no right to judge them. So your wife does it. No, my wife doesn't even do it. It's all under, it's all about understanding the context with which it's done. 
you know? I think that, uh, you know, people mistakenly believe that, uh, that, that people can use Carlin-esque vulgarity in a way that isn't destabilizing to, to civilization. You know what I mean? Well, they have to think, do words destabilize a civilization? No, facts do. Facts and truths. That's what we're all about at AMB. Anyway, thank you for, very much for letting me plug my show. Okay, let's do a little destabilization here, which is just basically telling the truth. Yeah. All we're yeah. doing is telling the truth. We're looking at people writing stories in the mainstream media, and those stories aren't true. We're not playing the liberal versus conservative game, and okay, it is a game. Though. Who are you talking about specifically, Gene? Call them out. Call them out. Well, of course, that guy who has a name similar to yours okay, and insults Peter. the oh, family we're still, tradition. We're still going with Peter Cohan. Okay, no, that's Cohan fine. isn't worth any further attention. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Is there somebody else? Well, I didn't catch a name, but I was just looking at one of those miscellaneous anonymous wire service reports on one of the web news websites. Yeah. And I see there, well, because of lower demand for the iPhone or something. And I was thinking, should I write to this guy? I felt the urge after reading one of these wire service reports to write to the reporter, and sometimes you do see a name there, and you write to the reporter and say, okay, you say there's reduced demand for the iPhone. Kindly tell me what your source for that story is. Or just cite it in the story itself. You know, why have you got anything against, you know, linking out to any kind of substantive information about what you're talking about. It's very difficult, you know, and I think that, that uh, it's, it's become increasingly difficult for people who are expressing opinions um, online uh, to get people to, 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 to look at their opinions. It, the, it, you know, the weird thing to me is that it's, it's not just the people who are writing editorial content. We're talking about the analysts here, too. You know, if you take a look at a, a piece actually up on uh, CNN Fortune from uh, uh, Philip Elmer DeWitt um, ranking... Uh, how the analysts did based on, you know, their projections for Apple's number, numbers this past quarter. Um, and you can see some people are wildly off the mark. People who get paid a lot of money to do nothing but this are wildly off the mark. What does that say about their ability to do their jobs? Now, I don't claim to be an industry analyst, folks. But I think I'm more right than I'm wrong on a lot of these subjects. But I'm not getting paid the big bucks like they are. I would think if somebody is wildly off the mark, constantly, repeatedly, I don't mean just an anomaly. I mean repeatedly, I would say, you know what, sir, maybe you need to try another profession. Because <laughs> you're not doing your job well. Uh, excellent. You see, that's exactly my point. You see, if Tim Cook really fails, I don't mean getting record profits and having products they can't produce enough of those products to meet demand. I mean he's doing some really nasty things and bad, then Apple has the right to fire him. Of that's course. their right. That's their obligation to fire him. Of course they do, and they will, you know, if that happens doesn't matter for tim cook i guess he's worth millions but the point being look what happened to scott forstall he didn't get steved he got timmed he got Tim. that's exactly right okay so what happens with an industry analyst who is constantly wrong do you fire him do you say look guy it's 
not working out here, you need to show more accurate performance? Or is the science of making those projections just flawed? I think the science is of those uh, making those projections is flawed. I think that um, Apple has a long history of trying to mislead uh, those same analysts on their actual uh, um, on their actual numbers. So there's a lot of suspicion that's been built up between Apple and those people who are doing that particular job. You know, a big deal was made here. Apple made a change in the way they present their guidance. They used to present a guidance, well, we expect in the next quarter we'll earn so much in terms of revenue, so much in terms of profits. Okay. Now Apple gives a range. And the perception being, well, Apple is now being more accurate. Rather than one figure, they give a range of figures. What's the difference? I, you know, I picked up one thing from looking at their, uh, their, their quarterly report that I hadn't seen before that I thought was kind of an interesting anomaly. And it goes back to what I was saying before about how the Mac has become kind of a sideline business to them. Uh, it, it has been de facto a sideline business to them for some time, but it's continuing to get smaller. One thing I noticed in their report uh, was that they um, are no longer breaking out uh, Mac sales by model. They used to tell you uh desktops versus notebooks uh each quarter in fact up until the last uh financial report that they released uh it was listed that way you know with laptops and uh desktop machines broken out now it's just got one line for max sometimes you know, they'll expand on that as they did during the conference call explaining they could have probably sold 700,000 more iMacs had they enough to sell had they enough to sell, right. But my point is, the number isn't broken out. And it has been for every quarter that I can remember going back 10 years. Well, it's a while back that they stopped reporting individual models within a type of Mac. So you didn't have a breakdown in terms of desktop Macs of Mac Mini, iMac, Mac Pro. That's no, long no, gone. This is the next stage in that evolution. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They they don't break it out by desktop versus uh, versus versus laptop, which they did as recently as last quarter. Is what I'm saying. So uh, it's it's an interesting level of granularity, as uh, the analysts like to say, um, to see Apple kind of pull back the lens a little bit on, and say, you know what, you know what, guys who are playing with our stock prices, we don't think that you need to know this number. This number isn't that important. That we want to share it with you. It's an interesting counter move from Apple. Well, I think the other thing that Apple, I guess, could have done, which is when all this crazy speculation was coming out, maybe a one-line pithy comment from Tim Cook answering someone's letter, (laughs) saying like, well, they don't understand the supply chain. You can't use one data point, as he did during the conference call. But the conference call doesn't get the same level of attention as a pithy comment in email letter. Hey, neighbors, if you have a comment or a question about the Tech Night Owl Live, we want to hear from you. Yes, we do. You can write to us, news at com. That's news at com. Or check us out on Twitter, where we're known as Tech Night Owl. Once again, Tech Night Owl on Twitter. Contact us. We have more pithy comments coming from Mr. Pithiness himself. I can't even say that backwards. Mr. Pithiness himself. 
Peter Cohen joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Do you know how much the dollar has lost in its value against other currencies in the last 90 days? Ever think about how inflation will change your life, your savings, your retirement plans? Remember inflation in Zimbabwe, Argentina, the Weimar Republic? Put another way, who cares if your investments go up 10%, but you lose 40% of your purchasing power? Gold is the only monetary asset as no one else's liability. Gold still buys the same amount of stuff it always did. Gold does not require trust in a third party. You can possess it in your hand. You can take it with you. Gold is real money. Gold is honest money. My name is Daniel Larson from Midas Resources. To find out how you can protect your savings and roll over your IRA funds into precious metals accounts, please call me at 800-686-2237, extension 134. That's 800-686-2237, extension 134. 800-686-2237, extension 134. In an emergency situation, would you drink contaminated water? You could if you had the amazing LifeStraw from MyPatriotSupply.com. LifeStraw is the most advanced personal water filter available today. It filters contaminated water from almost any source. LifeStraw is lightweight and compact, perfect for hiking, camping, or in an emergency like a flood. LifeStraw is easy to clean, comes with a one-year warranty, and has been used worldwide since 2005. Get the amazing LifeStraw personal water filter at MyPatriotSupply.com. Plus, check out Survival Seed Vault, 20 seed varieties for only $37.95, Tatler Canning Lids, long-term storable foods as low as $69. And much more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Enjoy stress-free shipping on all orders over $49. Call 866-229-0927 or visit MyPatriotSupply.com. That's 866-229-0927. MyPatriotSupply.com. For emergency preparedness, self-reliance, and food independence. Feeling like there are too many pressures and demands on you? Losing sleep, worrying about tests and schoolwork, eating on the run because your schedule is just too busy? You may be under too much stress, and it may be affecting your mind. Get your mental edge back with Nootropic Mind Power from MindRegard.com. Nootropic Mind Power is not a drug, but a natural supplement. Its 12 powerful ingredients are natural and non-GMO, plus it's gluten-free, wheat-free, and formulated by Americans for Americans by an NSF-certified laboratory. Nootropic Mind Power is available at mindregard.com, spelled M-I-N-D-R-E-G-A-R-D.com, and comes with a 100% money-back guarantee. 
Free your mind with Nootropic Mind Power Cognitive Supplement from MindRegard.com. MindRegard. Clearly see tomorrow and yesterday. Today. Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. More with Mr. Pithiness himself. I don't want to say that. Peter Cohen. (laughs) Do you want to just get a t-shirt for that? I ain't got a pot to piss in. (laughs) Okay, we're going downhill, folks. You know, the decorum of the show has descended rapidly. Okay, so Apple is reducing the metrics on which they report Mac sales, showing the reduced importance of the Mac to the company. Still very important, but now we're seeing that a lot of Mac sales are influenced in reverse by people who buy other Apple products and say, you know, I need a new computer, I'll buy a Mac too. Yeah, the, uh, the, 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 the hello effect that we were expecting to see. You know, there was a lot of talk this quarter about cannibalization of apple sales you know people who would buy but one apple product buying another one uh tim cook's talked about it uh in the past uh it came up again in 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 this call and i i think it's i think it's interesting that we're looking at it as cannibalization you know where people would have either bought a mac you know or a pc you know and you know would they have bought a mac or an ipad what real difference does it make as long as it's staying in the family, you know, as long as Apple's able to grow its business from both ends? Well, it's a concern, obviously, to Microsoft if they're buying an Apple product. And we're looking at Microsoft's figures. So we have a situation here with Microsoft spending, what, hundreds of millions of dollars advertising Windows 8, hundreds of millions of dollars advertising the Surface tablet. And the Surface tablet is an afterthought. It's a rounding error in terms of sales, in terms of the tablet marketplace. Windows 8 isn't going very much anywhere. So this is a monumental failure, and we have all these people looking at the failure of Apple, where there is no failure except that Apple couldn't meet demand for its products, and we have Microsoft and Windows 8 where nobody wants it. Yeah, yeah, Windows 8. Nobody really cares about Windows 8. It's been kind of a flat release, hasn't it? Worse than Vista. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But that's, you know, life at Microsoft under Balmer, I guess. So why isn't the stock price of Microsoft going down faster than it is? It went down a little bit. But why isn't it worth half what it was worth the other day? I mean, I'm seeing failure. Yep, it's a head-scratcher. Well, it's just like Samsung making $8 billion profit, that's good. Apple making $13 billion profit, that's bad. Yeah, exactly. Perception's all about that. Then we look at the other product where they sold almost half as many units as they sold Max, and that is the Apple TV. And in our previous segment with John Martellero, I pointed out that Apple in 2012 sold more Apple TVs than the combined number of any previous year. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, the but... product is on a roll. Yeah, but... There, there's also this continued insistence that Apple is going to make a television. And then when Apple finally gets around to making a television, that's going to be Apple's next big thing. 
And if Apple doesn't make a television, they will tell you Apple made a big mistake. Right, exactly. You know, big mistake not to be in that market, which is a commodity, you know, market that, you know, is already really well-defined and so on. You know, that's not exactly prime picking for Apple. I don't know why why, uh, analysts like Gene Munster think that, you know, an Apple television is such a big deal. Well, next year they can have an Apple refrigerator. Let's have an Apple refrigerator, a smart refrigerator, which is hooked up to a toaster oven and has this little bit of a conveyor belt. And it moves from the refrigerator on the conveyor belt to the toaster oven, and you say, okay, warm up my bagels. Now we're talking. But you say it to Siri. Siri is running the refrigerator. The Apple refrigerator oven thing. (laughs) A vision of the future from Gene Steinberg. Right. I mean, we're not going to have a TV. I mean, right now you have... A lot of good TVs. This is one thing I remark look, here. You, you the want quality to look- of the TV sets you buy has improved to an overall, overall level of quality where the very cheap sets are at least pretty decent, pretty good. The expensive sets are excellent, but the difference between pretty good and excellent is fairly narrow. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I spent 200 bucks on a 32-inch uh, uh, LED set at Sears over the holidays. You know, it's it's not the most uh, amazing television I've ever seen in my life, but it was good enough to replace a CRT set that was like, I don't know, like 15 years old or something. You know, um, coincidentally, I have a 27-inch Sony TV set from 1995. Right. 18 years and if we get another bedroom, and we're in a smaller place than we used to live, but say we got a slightly larger place, we had a second bedroom, we actually have a second bedroom, it's called my office. But if we had a larger house, again, three bedrooms, four bedrooms, and we needed another set, i go into Sears or Sam's Club or whatever and get a 32-inch or a 40-inch LCD TV for, what, two, $300 like you did, and it would be... An excellent set. Beautiful picture. Better than the CRT. Perfect picture or near-perfect picture. Maybe if you're a critic and you stand up in front of the set, you look and say, well, you know, the motion scenes aren't as good and the viewing angle is not quite as good as the more expensive sets or plasma or OLED, but I can live with it. You know, exactly. So it's a very well-defined market, and I just don't see Apple really being able to, you know, build out a part of that market very effectively. So when people start crowing about Apple television and the transformative effect it'll have on society, I say, whoa, wait a minute. You know, the, I, I don't th- really think that that's going to be Apple's next big thing. But Apple, tel- Apple TV, the little black box, is become useful for a lot of people. And a lot of people continue to buy them. And uh, going back to your original point, Gene, you know, it's a, it's a successful product for Apple. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's still not a, a major league product for Apple, but it's a successful product. And you have to wonder, where do they take this product? You know, we see Tim Cook saying intense interest, intense interest. When he goes into his living room or wherever his TV set is located and watches TV, he feels he's gone back 20 or 30 years But nobody asks, what does he mean? Why does he say that? What about the TV experience is old-fashioned, retro, not efficient? How do you make it better? And the conclusion I keep coming is, 
you know, changing channels on TV, no big deal. Watching the set, no big deal. The setup, most people don't change any of the standard setups, so that's not a big deal. So what is there about TVs that's annoying, irritating, and it's called handling multiple devices? That's the nightmare. You switch from the game console to the Apple TV to the set-top box from your cable or satellite provider. That's where it becomes troublesome. Yeah, that is where it becomes troublesome. But if you want to take a look at like where Apple's technology is actually kind of transforming an industry a little bit in a very significant way, look no further than the automotive market and the effect that Siri is having on cars. I'll tell you what. I can count the ways where auto business needs Siri. This is a case, ladies and gentlemen, where the interface police have to act fast, really fast. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Looking back on 2012, we ask ourselves, how did we ever survive from natural disasters like Hurricane Sandy and the devastating summer drought to the family hardships brought on by a disastrous economy? Our hearts go out to those that have lost everything. At eFoods Direct, we hear from customers every day that are fortunate enough to weather life's storm by having a supply of food on hand. After Hurricane Sandy, Danny from New York City wrote, almost all of the grocery stores are closed, but I managed to get my eFoods just in time to be able to help my sister and niece. It is better to be prepared 10 years too early than one day too late. I can warn you, but I can't feed you. Heed the warnings and do what Alex has done. Call 800-409-5633 today or go to efoodsdirect.com slash Alex and build your food supply. It's the best tasting non-GMO long-term storable food on the planet. Call 800-409-5633 or efoodsdirect.com slash Alex. You can bet your life on efoodsdirect. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems 
system today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231. And the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Is 2013 your year to achieve more? More vitality? More health? More well-being? Hi, this is Pastor Jenny. For 25 years, I spent my life's work teaching others how to achieve more. But in 2010, I got a lesson of my own about RNA drops. I learned that there are millions of gene switches latent in every single cell of my body that are waiting for an activator. I learned by taking RNA drops, I could begin to activate that power in my cells and achieve the more that I desire. I'd like to share what I discovered with you and send you a free 30-day supply of RNA drops valued at $50 for just the cost of shipping and handling. Go to rnafreesample.com. That's rnafreesample.com. Or call me toll-free at 888-577-3703. That's 888-577-3703. rnafreesample.com. Discover the more that's waiting for you. What's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl. Live with Gene Steinberg. A couple more segments with my friend, none other than Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show. And he's also on the loop at loopinsight.com. Right now, there are are efforts to make, shall we say, smart cars. We have Ford, which has suffered a lot. Ford has some really nice models out there. But in every case, they're being dinged by everyone for their My Ford, My Ford Touch, which uses Microsoft technology. The system is horrible. It's got a touch screen, and you touch it, and nothing happens. And it's obtuse. And it's difficult to use, like Windows. Like so, Windows. So yeah. Ford's getting a lot of trouble. The other day I took a test drive in a new Honda Accord 2013, and they've got a touchscreen now. Now, the difference between Honda and Ford, I haven't spent a lot of time looking over the interface. I still think there are problems with it, is when I touched the screen, it responded. That seems to be a difficult thing to do. And I think the danger of it is actually messing with the screen at all. And that's that's where Apple is coming into play because... Siri um, is 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 appearing in cars um, with increasing frequency at every end of the market, whether it's budget cars or whether it's luxury cars or whether it's anything in between. Um, and it, it's really interesting to me to see how Apple um, saw an opportunity there and decided to take it. And it seemed initially like. Uh, like Microsoft was going to be out in front of this with the system that it had developed that ended up getting used um, in in Ford cars. Uh, and, you know, Chevy, of course, with its OnStar. Uh, but nobody had really figured out a way to crack, hey, I'm in the car, I should just be able to talk to it and make things happen. That would keep my attention focused on the road where it should be, but still able to multitask and get things done. 
And that, of course, is Siri's whole purpose for being. Now, this is a technology that people who have third or fourth generation iPads and uh, iPhone 4Ss and iPhone 5s already are familiar with. It's a huge group of people already that are using this technology and an even bigger group of people who've heard of it and are anxious to try it. Um, you know, so it's just, it's a tremendous opportunity for Apple right now. And it's really exciting to see them capitalize on that, uh, on that, uh, intent to, uh, to really get into that marketplace. And Apple has licensed technology to a number of automakers. You have to see what happens. Obviously, Microsoft has failed. They failed to deliver a credible interface. Ford has been promising, we'll fix my Ford Touch. And it's not getting fixed. I'll tell you, they're still getting severe criticisms for it. And frankly speaking, if I was in the market for a car, which I'm not right now, but assuming I was in the market for a car, and occasionally I do go ahead and I test drive a car to see how the technology is. If I was really interested in a new car and I tried the Ford and the interface was bad, I'd say, I don't want this car because the fundamentals of using it have been missed and everybody's dinging them for it even though they keep failing to remember it's a Microsoft problem. This is Microsoft screwing up the cars. So that's another thing. And a lot of times, too, I see in cars where they mess up fundamental features we've come to accept. They do it in a different way. Like, I'll give you an example of this. Here's a tradition in a car. Car radio. You're listening to a station. You want to make it a preset. You press the button. You hold it till you hear a beep. How many cars do you do that on? That's the way it works. Now, I challenge you to go into a Hyundai Sonata, and now you want to make a preset for a radio station. How do you do it? I went to a Hyundai dealership and said, how do you do this? Two different people couldn't figure it out. Sales, sales manager couldn't figure out how to do it. What about a Kia, Hyundai's sister brand? How do you do it? With Honda, it's still not front and center with the Accord the previous year's version, you had the six buttons. And you change the band, and then you listen to a station, and you press and hold the preset, and it works. With the new Honda, it's all touch-enabled, so you have to push kind of a menu instruction to go to that section, that function, and then you can do the preset by holding the button. See my point? I understand your point because I suffer through incredibly obtuse and bizarre user interfaces on, on both automobiles that I own. And both are even, you know, both are very primitive. You know, one is from 1999, the other is from 2004. Um, you know, using electronics on automobiles is so much more complicated than it needs to be. Which cars are these, by the way? Uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee and a, uh, a Kia Sedona. You know what's funny here? Chrysler has actually gotten good marks for their touch interface. And one of the things is they were complimented for not trying to add too much functionality, not trying to make it do too many things. Just make it do the stuff that it needs to do to accomplish the task, and then the rest could be done manually. This, folks, is the Apple lesson. Apple's always said don't add too many features. Add the features that make sense and get rid of the features that don't that make don't sense. don't make sense. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, simplicity, as a design element, simplicity is incredibly difficult. You know, any minimalist designer will tell you that, right? You know, that when it comes to making something simple, it's very, very difficult. 
It's difficult no matter what it is. It's not an engineering problem. It's difficult to make language simple and clear to understand, you know, or convey the nuance that you want it to. It's the same with music. It's the same with everything, you know. But this is what Apple does best. This is Apple's muse. You know, this is what Apple is really good at. And they've done it again with Siri and cars. I'm just so excited about it. I want to go out and buy a new car. I wish I could. I, I, I won't be able to. Maybe I'll steal one instead and take it for a joyride. By the way, the law enforcement authorities in your city are listening. The people oh, in Cape Cod are listening to right now. They're going to be it. at your door. Or what you can do is sell your two cars and get one. That's true. I could sell two cars and get one. But then what would happen to my wife? She needs to drive something, Gene. She can take a bicycle. Oh. You can take a bicycle. That's over the line, sir. Okay, she gets the car, you get the bicycle. No, that's far, far over the line, sir. So what happens when your kids ask for cars? Yeah, there you go. Well, you know, all three of them, I got the same deal with all three of them, you know. They're on their own for buying their first car, but I'll insure it for as long as they live under my roof. That's good. You know, your kids have to learn the value of a dollar, right? You know, they got to learn how to how to um, forge ahead for things on their own. And not you know, forge some, anything. Some people, some people in my town, some people in my town buy their kids $14,000 cars for graduation presents. I don't believe in that. That's not the way that I was raised. Also, I think a kid is not going to be the best driver in the world, and that $14,000 car will be worth in about a year about $4,000 because of all the wrecks it's had and all the body work that's been done. I learned this from my son. I had an older car, and I let him use it. But the first couple of years, he was a simply horrible driver. Not because he's not smart. He's brilliant. It's because he's young. He's just getting used to everything. Since then, of course, he doesn't have a car now. He lives and works in Madrid, Spain. He takes public transportation. He comes back here for a visit. He'll rent a car. No problems. He's now 26 years old. So he's become a decent driver. But as a kid, we expect that. Yeah, indeed. That's why it's nice when you're raising kids to live out in the middle of nowhere where they can't get into too much trouble. You think? Well, that was the promise. The reality, of course, is completely different because there's a whole different set of trouble out in the sticks. That's it. Whatever trouble they can do, they'll find a way. If there's trouble to be found, but, you know, listen, we all love our kids. It's, we all love our kids. Absolutely. Because we were just as bad or worse when we were kids. Upon hearing that, of course, you're going to want to hear my war stories. And I'm sorry, I won't tell you. So You know, it's to... true. Every generation does stupid things. And every generation behind them forgets that they did stupid things when they were that age. We're not going to do a stupid thing. We're going to take care of a piece of business on the Tech Night Out Live with Gene and Peter. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. 
And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Preparedness is simple. When you have the right stuff, and with the looming threat of economic collapse and possible service interruption, it's time to get the best-in-class preparedness stuff at DisasterStuff.com. DisasterStuff.com has been serving smart preppers for over 15 years with quality products like Berkey water filters. DisasterStuff.com is the official Berkey in-stock shipping center. And as always, free shipping on all Berkey products. Stock up on water barrels and accessories. Get Country Living or Wonder Mill grain mills, Excalibur food dehydrators, Tatler reusable canning lids, sun oven solar cookers, EMP bags to protect sensitive electronics, and don't be without your life straw personal water filter, all from DisasterStuff.com. Preparedness is simple, with the right stuff from DisasterStuff.com. Freedom through self-reliance and personal responsibility. It's time for a home security quiz. Answer this. What effective home security device is smaller than a coffee cup, fakes out burglars into thinking someone is home at your house while you're away, plugs into any wall outlet, is recommended by many police departments, and sells for less than $35? Yes, it's fake TV. This year, about one in every 50 U.S. homes will have a break-in, with burglars usually picking the easy target, a dark house that looks like no one is home. Fake TV is a small electronic security device that makes it look like someone is home watching TV by simulating the light from a real TV. It's like a lamp on a timer, but far more convincing. And for only $34.95, fake TV could be the difference between coming home to a secure house or one that's been ransacked. Go to faketv.com or call one 877 5-FAKE-TV. That's 877-532-5388 or go to faketv.com. Fake TV, the burglar deterrent. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. It's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. On the Tech Night Out Live, we have Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards Radio Show. 
at yeah. loop at loopinsight.com, and we're trying to give you all a reality check about Apple's next big frontier, which is the auto business. Because imagine here if all the major mass market cars, we're talking about Honda, Toyota, Kia, Hyundai, Ford, whatever, we're all, especially Ford because they need help, we're all using Siri as the front end. And, of course, what this would mean is that every time they sell a car, Apple gets a check. That's how we assume it works. You know, you license the rights to Siri, and then for every unit sold, Apple gets their piece of the action. One would assume. But that's an interesting revolution because as people buy new cars with Siri, it's going to just upend that industry. And Microsoft yeah, but, will be shown I mean, more wanting than ever. Yeah, I mean, you know, here's here's the thing. I think that the, that the Siri thing gives Apple a really way in, a really easy way into the cockpit, sort of on, on, on both ends of it, right? Because it's licensing uh, the, the, the car companies to use this technology and... and um, you know, presumably making a little bit of money that way. But but I, I think the whole picture here is that, you know, the, the way that people are interacting with their devices is independent of the way that people are acting with, with their cars. You know, it's just a bridge. It's a means to an end of having a more meaningful connection with your iOS device because that's what the Siri connection stuff does. You know, it, it helps you get to the information that's already on your iOS device. So it's it's a very clever way for Apple, like I said, to just uh, increase the value of that growing end of their business that much more. Also, what it does, which is very fascinating, is this is a key thing, okay? With Siri and with the integration, it expands the Apple ecosystem. So if Apple is in, what, 5 million, 10 million new cars a year, you have all that many people who are coming home, they want to integrate with their devices, they want to bring their devices into the car, they're going to be inclined to buy something from Apple. They're going to be inclined to, yeah, there are, exactly, you know. Winning hearts and minds means a lot. And also having technology that actually works is really important. <laughs> you think? Yeah. Yes, I do. I do. So anyway, let's forget about the media kind of giving Apple short shrift for being okay. profitable. I'm shaking it off, Gene. I'm shaking it off right now. Go ahead and shake. Shake it. Shake it off. Shake, shake it, it off. up, baby. Twist and shout. Yeah, now just shaking it off. Okay. Shaking it off. Let's try to shake Microsoft a little bit here. Yeah. Microsoft is in deep trouble. You have to look at that. Are they? Well, look, they're not doing too well with cars. They're certainly not doing too well with Windows 8. The Surface tablet has been also ran. Samsung, which will produce as many products as they can, will not produce a tablet in the U.S., a Windows RT tablet. Hmm. For now. You think they will eventually? Oh, yeah. And what is this deal here that really has me confused? And maybe we'll talk about this when we have industry analyst Stephen Baker of the NPD group on the show. I think that'll be next week. And that is, there's supposed to be some kind of buyback or going private deal with Dell. Instead of being publicly traded, they go private. Microsoft is somehow subsidizing that? Did you hear this? No, I didn't hear this. That Microsoft is putting in a couple of billion dollars for that. And forgetting all the odds and ends and the intricacies and the complications. 
As soon as Microsoft gets involved in the financial doings of any particular PC maker, what do the other PC makers think? What about Asus, Acer, HP, Lenovo? What are they going to think if Microsoft is doing this? But then again, what are they to think that Microsoft came out with a Surface tablet? You know, the Surface tablet is an interesting thing. Uh, the, the, the Surface tablet is an interesting thing, not because of the RT stuff, but because of the Pro stuff. You know, now that the Pro stuff is, is coming out, I think we're getting a better sense of, of what Microsoft's overall strategy is here. But all it is is a netbook. It's really a thin netbook. And it's going to be an expensive netbook because the price is only going to be like $100 less than a MacBook Air. Well, I think it's, 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 more, it's, it, it's more of an ultrabook in, in a lot of ways than, you know, a netbook. You know, it's, it's a premium, you know, it's, it's, it, it's in the ultrabook range in, in terms of cost. And, and where have ultrabooks gone? Where have ultrabooks gone? I mean, Intel made a big deal. This is their answer or their effort to expand the joy of the MacBook Air by providing a similar platform for the Windows platform. But nobody wants it. Oh, people want it. You know, it's it's not being it's not transformative. You know, it's it's uh, and it's not a huge fad either, like netbooks were. You know, netbooks are a flash in the pan now, right? I mean, th- nobody's making them anymore in the U.S. Well, you netbooks know? didn't last very long as soon as people realized they were unusable, and as soon as Apple came out with the iPad, netbooks died. I mean, they're still out there. You still see them. I think only on TV shows for product placements. You do see netbooks there occasionally. You also see the full-size Surface. You know, like, what is it on Hawaii Five-0? The reimagined version? They've got the, yeah. the coffee table there. You know, that, that show, I had to stop watching that show because of their constant Microsoft shilling. And I understand that there were paid product endorsements and all that. But I actually, I watched the show... I, I used to be a big fan of Hawaii Five O, but then they sold out, man, and that's when I took them off my DVR. I don't know. I think that the son of James Con, Scott Con, who plays <laughs> Dano, book him Dano. Yeah, I yeah. think he's really good. I think he's the entire show. I think he's I, a really good actor. He has that light comedic touch. I think also he has a good rapport with the star, Alex O'Loughlin, who's not really that great an actor. But the two of them together work well. I think it's a good show. I don't think it's as grim as the one back in the 60s with Jack Lord. Jack Lord, by the way, was the first Felix Leiter in Dr. No. And then after Dr. No became successful, he got the job in Hawaii 5 and I guess he never did any more Felix Leiter stuff. Ah, <sighs> Jack Lord. Yeah, you know, I was... Um... Uh, I was just watching um, some of the old uh, Hawaii Five O episodes um, on a, you know, some new station that's begun broadcasting near where I live, and uh, uh, I had forgotten how much I loved those old shows, you know, for different reasons. And the the great thing for me wasn't necessarily even Hawaii Five O; it's the lead-in show before they would show Hawaii Five O was the Rockford Files. Yes. 
Now, The Rockford Files was a hell of an idea for a show. You take Jim Garner, who everybody remembered from um, from his Western. Yeah, exactly. And basically remake the show, but set him in the modern day instead of in, in, in cowboy days. You know, set it in the modern day, but it was the same show, the same framework, the same character, basically. Renamed, just with some different stuff going on, but it was the same story as The Maverick. Uh, just a, a, a fascinating example of the evolution of TV to me. I it was it. a fun show to watch. The unfortunate thing about the sad thing is that years later, Jim Garner never got any of the profit sharing. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, mm-hmm. we have this hugely successful TV show showing a loss financially. That's Hollywood accounting. Anyway... Let me ask Peter Cohen, where do we find more of your stuff? Um, okay, you can jack into my pirate radio signal at angrymacbastards.com or um, check out the uh, much more mild-mannered editorial rantings of me at thelooploopinsight.com. Right here, you can find us at technightowl.com. That is technightowl.com, our portal for everything forums, radio show. Get a gander at our other radio show the Paracast, about UFOs and things that go bump in the night, and this weekend, a special listener roundtable on the Paracast at Paracast.com. On the Tech Night Owl Live, thanks to Peter Cohen for joining us this week on the show. Thanks, Gene. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.